Hello, good evening, Paul and Mark, and I think Kristen, you're also there. Can you hear me? Evening, I can hear you well, Andrew. How are you going? Paul, good, thank you. Um, Kristen, are you there? Kristen appears to be online, but can't hear her. Um, she's listed, oh, inactive. She must have lost a connection. Okay, there's an apology from Ben this evening. He, he said he misses these discussions. Um, so he, he's apologised with a heavy heart. But there's at least two of us, and Kristen is, is looks like she's reconnecting. So let's get started. Um, <clears throat> we're looking at Greece, and uh, if you know, we're, we're deeply in Southern Europe now. Um, and we're looking at questions like, who is to blame for the recent crisis for Greece, the fiscal austerity and so on, the bad relations with the EU, particularly Germany, the currency questions. Uh, is Greece to blame for not being more fiscally stringent or responsible? Or other countries in the European Union or perhaps beyond, are they partly responsible? So it's like a whodunit, isn't it? Yes. And irrespective of who's to blame, what are the solutions that could now be adopted? Three readings from the Ut Extracts, Harold Mayerson's uh, American Prospect article about austerity, and Lampini Rory uh, article from West European Politics Academic Journal on the 2015 Greek parliamentary elections. Any comments? Uh, Kristen, can you hear us now? Yep, I can hear you. Very good. Welcome back after your very busy two weeks running the state. Um, you've rejoined us and Ben has left us. But we have a quorum of three. Very good. Okay. Any comments on today's broad questions or the readings that you've had a chance to look at so far from any of you? Questions? Uh, I just thought it was interesting how they've had more elections in the past few years than we have. So. Mm -hmm. change of government. <laughs> so it's not just us. Yes, they have had a lot of elections. Um, good point. Uh, and Italy was a, has been a bit like that too, with plenty of elections. Australia traditionally wasn't, actually. Australia was traditionally stable. Although it's actually not so many elections we've had in Australia as, as changes of prime ministership. Um, I mean, we don't run three, we don't run full three-year terms in Australia because prime ministers often call elections times that are electorally convenient for them. Um, okay, any other comments or questions? Paul? Uh, Chris, yeah, I'll have a go. <clears throat> um, I think there's quite a lot to unpack um, with regards to uh, what's what's going on with Greece. I mean, there's, there's a historical analysis of um, the instability of gov governmental instability after the war, and then the, t and the, the, the complicity of the king, the takeover by the military junta for seven years, I believe it was. Um, the the transition back to um, democracy with new democracy in PASOK. Um, I think that um, from a historical point of view, there's there's there, there's certainly opportunities for. Um, you know, to narrow it down a little bit, there's opportunities for fiscal reform, and um, the the certainly opportunities for them to be a little bit more um, probably conservative and, and reformist in their agenda, um, especially towards what 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 I've read a couple of times is the bloated public service, 
mm-hmm. um, which which sounds a little bit again like patronage, but I'm not quite sure it it, it fully got there. Maybe under the um, Hunter it did, but um, I think um, you know, and and, and there's there's, um, there's correlations between the instability in 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 recent years and and post-war. Certainly, um, strong um, correlations between Germany's imposition of um, war payments after the war and their imposition of, of austerity measures and payments to the to, to, to the Troika these days. Um, I think that, um, you know, I think that Syriza got um, left holding the baby and, and I don't think anyone really wanted to take responsibility for the for the mess that, that had accrued over the years. Um, but I am, um, you know, I think someone needs to take responsibility for it. Um, I'm, I, I haven't done any research past um, what, what our readings today because I've got a bit on. But, um, it, you know, like I said, there's, 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 there's a, lot to, um, a lot to unpack. Okay, that's, that's good points there, Paul. Thank you. Um, you're bringing a bit of an economist's lens to this, which is appropriate. Um, let's take a couple of things there. So a bloated public sector. Now, if you said that in Australia, wouldn't you feel like you're sounding a bit like um, a, a right-wing economic rationalist? You look pain. The oh, screen yes. froze for a minute. Um, however... Sorry, you know, my internet connection's a bit crappy. That's all right. So, so you think Greece might have more issues to do with public sector um, uh, well, the term bloatedness implies too much funding, not enough activity, overstaffing, um, perhaps inefficiencies. Um, yeah, and this is actually that um, it's the sons and grandsons of the were from the job in the service, which in um, and um, it's, um, you know, m- maybe it was uh, too profitable. Well, sorry, I'll have to ask you to stop there. Your internet is breaking up persistently there, but I'll just recap what I think the main points. If you can throw a few things into the chat while hopefully that internet connection improves, I think. Um, you're suggesting that there might be a connection between the bloatedness, if, if it exists, of the Greek public sector and the period of rule of the junta in the late 60s, early 70s, an incompetent military regime, which was backed by America and the right as part of the continuing uh, efforts against communism that we discussed a bit last week with Italy and the propping up of the Christian Democrats. Um, the other thing now, um, you were saying earlier, Switzerland was left holding the baby. Oh, yeah, no, sorry. The other thing you said earlier, and, and this is one of the key study guide questions, Germany. Okay, so Germany is giving some money to Greece. However, some argue that Germany and the EU are imposing too stringent conditions for that money and making Greece more indebted. Um, are... Germany and the European Union acting in accordance with the lessons of history. The reference there is to um, <laughs> Kristen's taking a work course. They won't let her go. Um, she must be doing a good job. That's fine, Kristen. Um, uh, the reference is to wasn't Germany 
rebuilt after the Second World War, after its foul acts of aggression against the rest of the world with the Marshall Plan, wasn't it given support to rebuild, including uh, from Greece? Um, and should it now be more magnanimous towards Greece? Perhaps if I can go to you, Mark, because Kristen's diverted and Paul, we're not quite sure if he's internet connections back yet, but hopefully he can hear you all right. Mark, what do you think about that question? Do you think Germany's been a bit tough on Greece? Um, yeah, I guess my kind of summary of the all the readings was that the initial problems seem to be um, domestic problems in terms of just fiscal irresponsibility slash even just wanting, wanting to enjoy the EU money coming in without <laughs> feeling obliged to really do anything <laughs> responsible with it. But it does seem that after the um, collapse, it does seem like the worsening of the woes was definitely the response of, you know, the EU led by um, Germany's restrictions, for sure. And it does seem like they definitely, it does seem hypocritical to know your own history of how you rebuilt your own country after the war and then say, well, what was good for thee but not good for we, you know, other way around, what's good for these, not good for we, you know, it does seem like there was a fair bit of hip hypocrisy in there. A bit of biblical style language there from you, Mark. Um, not good for thee. Ask not, what, how does that word go? Ask not for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. Um, very good. Um, now, Paul's put in the chat that Tony talked about the children and the grandchildren of the left wing resisted being, resistors being denied lucrative public service jobs until the 1970s, which implies a degree of patronage. I think that's a good point, Paul. Uh, I hope you can hear me. Um, and it sounds a little bit like Northern Ireland, doesn't it, where the uh, Catholics were locked out and the Protestants were favoured. Um, and such things never are never good because they prevent talent from being rewarded. If things are done according to who your families are or your religion, or your cronies, your political cronies, then it's not based on true merit. Um, <clears throat> so, okay, Paul, can you hear us at the moment? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you better now. So thanks for that point you made about patronage. Um, and what do you think about the Germany question? Do you think Germany should have been more flexible with Greece in the austerity situation? Um, just before I start, if I start breaking up, just start waving at me and I'll stop talking straight away. Okay. Um, yes, absolutely. I think that um, Germany should have been uh, had a little bit more historical consciousness with regards to the, as you were saying before, the Marshall Plan um, and and how they got rebuilt after the after the Second World War. And and I was just I was just writing furious, typing furiously um, that some, something along the lines of a new Marshall Plan might be needed for Southern Europe to rebuild their economies and infrastructure um, to, to, to um, uh, get the productivity gains of, of, of that and, and with reasonable, you know, reasonable long-term repayments that aren't going to stymie growth. Um, I, I did say, however, that um, the, after Greece's accession to the Union, there seemed to be a, a rather large injection of um, European Union funds in I think half half of the regions in, in that were receiving aid were Greece Greek um, and so something to the tune of seven or eight billion dollars was injected into Greece and, and I imagine you know from you know an economist's point of view that that 
that Germany and and the and the, the um, fiscally responsible inverted commas northern states um, would be asking what happened to that money and and, and where it went. Um, so I, I suppose. Um, uh, sorry. Yeah, no, no, no that's good. No, no, that's very good. Um, and and will you, will they send more money if the if the other money hasn't been used effectively? Is it being banked properly, accounted for properly, that sort of thing? Good questions. Um, okay. Um, so some support for Germany. Uh, now, one thing I will say about Germany is that um, Merkel has managed to keep Greece in the EU. Before Brexit was being talked about, I don't know if the term Grexit was used, Certainly, there was a lot of talk about Greece abandoning the euro currency, and they're on the cusp of it. Merkel always seems to have been able to come in towards the end and pull them back and keep them in, whereas um, uh, the German finance minister in her government was um, was more hard line and imposing more austerity, and she's pulling back a bit. The reason my computer's moving is my cat's just come up in front of me. Say hello to our fellow students, Tuxedo. Hello, hello. Tuxedo, very good. Okay, now, um, uh, one wonders what might have happened if Greece had left the Euro. Um, I think one of the dangers Merkel was concerned about was if Greece left and others might follow, um, including Italy. Um, so what will happen with Germany's leadership when the elections in a few months later this year finally end Merkel's reign officially and the, the replacement candidate, probably from her party, and, but perhaps in coalition with the Greens. If they're in coalition with the Greens, maybe that will make them softer towards Greece, possibly. Um, that will be something to watch. So some sympathy for um, uh, Greece in perhaps being treated a bit harshly by Germany, but on the other hand, uh, some uh, recognition that Greece hasn't necessarily got its accounts in order. Um, that's how I'm reading the comments so far. Whose sphere of influence would Greece form if they left? Paul's asked. Well, I don't know. Um, it's not anywhere obvious. I mean, uh, I guess you know they could say like Britain that you're still European, but it's not in the EU. Norway's not in the EU. You don't have to be in the EU to be on the continent of Europe. Switzerland's not. Um, they don't like Turkey, um, they're enemies, they've fought over Cyprus and so on. Um, I'm not sure what the answer to that question is. What about when we ask the question um, in the study guide questions, are other countries in the European Union and beyond partly responsible? When we say and beyond, who are we possibly referring to there as partly responsible for Greece's problems? The problem United States of America. Yeah. Jinx, Mark. <laughs> and and I think Britain um, needs a, a shout out here as well. Um, yep. the, the British and the Yanks um, both um, propped up the junta. Um, certainly, I think it's it's it's, it's worthwhile. Um, in, and Yurt points out that um, that the the um, United States under Roosevelt did did um, try to. Um, uh, Make contact with the centre left, but they were rebuffed apparently, and which drove them to the, well maybe not drove them, but um, just 
opportunists um, jumped in with the junta. But the the the, the legitimisation of it internationally, um, and, and and of course the um, you know the delayed um, democratic development as well, um, I think has played a part with Greece. Thank you. Yes, they're good points. Both the, the American situation we talked. I talked in the lecture last week about. America and the Cold War, the 70s, the late 60s, early 70s, um, the domino theory and all of that, and America being prepared to support just about anyone who wasn't a communist, including in Italy, and in Greece, that meant that the military junta. And prior to that, Britain, um, despite the heroic role of Greek partisans against the Nazis in the Second World War, Churchill and Britain quickly said to them, well, you know, well, yeah, thanks very much, but, um, uh, you know, you're too left-wing to be part of the future, and we're going to work with some of the centrists who didn't do as much against the Nazis as you did. Now, that was that was slightly unusual, actually. Um, Greece got a pretty raw deal. They couldn't win. The left couldn't win, whether it's against the Nazis or after the Nazis, and therefore developed some bitterness and, and perhaps some extreme characteristics. Now, you've pointed out just now, Paul, that Prince Philip was Prince Philip of Greece. It's all very puzzling to me. Yes, he, he was Prince Philip of Greece, but he was also connected with the Danish monarchy. The thing is that the ruling classes of these countries, when they're all monarchies, intermarried. And they, they don't seem to have much in common with their actual people. It didn't seem very Greek to me. Um, if he was Greek, why was he the Duke of Edinburgh then? And where was the Danish connection? I don't get it. I mean, it seems to me, yeah, very cosmopolitan indeed. If they're going on about the modern left being cosmopolitan, um, uh, and, and why they want Brexit. What about the bloody royal family? I mean, the Germans, the French, the Greeks, they're all married into it. And haemophilia, yes, a blood disorder, uh, which has been passed through the royal family. And you know, that could, could lead us to questions about whether Prince Charles is in fact Harry's father, but we won't go there. I uh, guess once I've got to close the door, it's a bit of noise. <clears throat> all right. Um, so some issues there in Greek's history. Uh, Mark, are you, did you have you had a chance to read you, yet? Did you notice those paras about um, Greece after the Second World War being somewhat abandoned? Um, Can you repeat that? Sorry. All right. Have you had a chance to read the Ute extracts for this week? Yes. Um, what did you think about his comments that the Greek left were somewhat abandoned after the Second World War and their anti-Nazi? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, you know, I I. It's hard to know, you know, how reliable because Jute's extracts could would be disputed by many people, I'm sure, <laughs> um, because they are, you know, in my view, honest and reflective of what the left have, had to put up with in history. But I mean, there's plenty of people who would just say how evil everyone on the left was and that it was had to be done, etc. Um, it could definitely play a part. Maybe that the history of the left in Greece, because it was so squashed, meant that even when they got democracy, um, the ideas of um, wealth redistribution perhaps were weaker than in the affluent Europe, which maybe had part to do with the policies of prior to the global financial crash, where I, I feel like I remember reading at the time that Greece was well known for failing to collect the taxes of its wealthy and just being very lax, as they kind of are in their life in general. They're very lax about lots of stuff. But I feel like the government was specifically corrupted to the point where it was even making dodgy, like a, 
a dodgy pool legislation where just having a pool at your house already eliminated you from certain estate taxes in some really weird way or something. It was something very unusual. So I guess um, that prior squashing of the left might help explain why their fiscal situation was so poor up until the global crash. Yes, and also might explain the, the, the radical nature of the left which has emerged with the Switzer party and also the oppositional nature of it. Um, uh, compared to some other European countries, there isn't a sort of normal, stable left, centre-left, centre-right type party situation for most of Greece's history. Um, coming back to um, Paul, economic questions, what do you think Greece's situation reveals about the idea of having a European currency? What do you think about the currency question, Paul, as, as a bit of an economics often? I am, um, when, whenever we Approach this um, subject. I'm, I'm, I'm strongly of the opinion that um, to, to have a it, 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 it's it's it's. Um, I understand why they did it, but it's in some sense you can have a EU policy without an EU can um, impose conditions on countries um, which they which they attempt to do through. Oh, I can't remember the. Um, there's a mechanism that they go into when they're in, they go over their debt burden. Um, but I, I think that the, I think, I think that a retreat from the currency would be, um, um, would, would be wrong. I think that a, a further consolidation of the European Union is in order, in, in order of the uh, United States of Europe. Like I, I think that it, it's, it's like the immigration question as well is that, um, you have a political union without an immigration policy, without without the ability to have an immigration, a, a cohesive and enforceable immigration policy is, is what I'm trying to say. And I think that, um, you know, that, that, that you know, like, like in a federated um, country like Australia, we have our, our strong states and our weak states and, you know, um, the, the um, secession proclivities of Western Australia ebb and flow with the result of the iron ore price, you know, so, um, I'm sure that when 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 they run out of ore and they and that collapse, they won't be talking about secession quite so much unless they find some other. But um, I, I think they'll be coming asking for handouts. Socialise your losses and privatise your profits. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I just think that a, a further, you know, like to 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 do the project right rather than half is is the answer. I think. I, I think well said. Yeah, I mean that, that that's another example. The, the, the currency situation, the problems of the currency, how it, uh, the euro may well work in Germany, work well in Germany and northern states, but that it works less well for Greece is, is one clear example. Immigration is another of the fact that the partial confederation of the European Union um, it needs either to become a more fully confederated union or dissolve. Stop trying to be one or the other. It's a bit of a hybrid. It's caught between two stools, perhaps. And you would prefer it to become the United States of Europe, a fully fiscal as well as monetary union and political. Paul, I think. Is, it, is that what you're saying? Yes, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's precisely what I'm saying, Andrew. Yeah. I think the dissolution of the EU would be, would be tragic. I think um, I think it's 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 a really it's a really important project for um, not only for supranational structures within um, the global context more broadly, 
but um, it, it, it's, it, it's, it, it, is, it is a project also in socialising wealth in a way, which is what, you know, the agricultural policies and, and, and um, investment in the poorer regions is precisely designed. Uh, I tend to agree, Mark. What do you think? I mean, perhaps you might have a more bottom-up view of um, the role of government. That perhaps the EU strikes is a bit too bureaucratic and top-down. I mean, maybe you're. I sense you may possibly be anti-EU from a leftist perspective. Yes, uh, you read me well. Um, I'm, I'm only a soft eurosceptic. I'm not. I'm not a hard eurosceptic for sure. My scepticism lies in my concern that large government like that is so much easier in my opinion to corrupt and then stay corrupted because it's much easier for a globalist elite to control such an institution whereas a smaller government say for example the Geelong City Council although it's easy to corrupt it is also easy for the people of Geelong to gather together and eliminate those people and replace them so I, I just have a worry that the EU will denigrate into an institution kind of like the US government where it's so far detached from its populace because it represents so many people that it just becomes this big corporately bought off mess that just nobody can ever reform or fix. So yeah, that, that's my main concern with the EU. But that doesn't mean I hate the EU. I like the ideals of the EU in um, keeping the countries from war with each other. So I think the diplomatic nation of it is super important. I think that what Paul mentioned before, that wealth um, dispersion for the continent to make sure that their neighbours aren't falling behind, which again is another thing to avoid conflict, <laughs> to make sure that they all feel unified and that they're not against each other. So yeah, I'm a bit torn, only soft Euroscepticism. Yes, it would be interesting to see how you would have voted if you were in Britain and had, were a British citizen with Brexit, because it was a hard question. Uh, people like Billy Bragg, for example, the left-wing folk singer, was going to vote for Brexit, but he decided not to when he saw Nigel Farage's playing of the immigration card, anti-immigrant card. He was going to vote for the sorts of reasons you're outlining there. Um, now, Kristen, welcome back. You're obviously doing a good job because they won't stop hounding you at work. Um, I hope everything's under control. Um, having made your comment earlier about the instability of politics in Greece, do you think Greece, uh, well, do you think the EU might be better off without Greece and all its dramas, or do you think um, Greece needs to be part of the EU, Kristen? I think that um, in terms of like, you know, they were talking about um, post-war guest workers and things like that, um, just having um, the ability for the free movement between the countries and like the skilled Greek labour um, being able to freely go um, between countries uh, is beneficial. In terms of like fiscally, I don't think there's like much benefit in the e the Greece being a part of the EU currency. Um, and from what I was reading, what I interpreted, and please correct me if I'm wrong, um, the the EU sort of like um, not wanting to give too much money, um, unlike what Germany receives through the Marshall Plan from America, um, just kind of goes to show that maybe uh, Greece isn't getting too much out of that relationship anyway, um, and could be getting some more from like other 
jurisdictions or external to Europe um, some some assistance there. So I don't know. There's there's good and bad parts of it staying in Europe. So you're saying that Greece isn't getting much from the EU. Um, do you think the? I mean, why do you think Merkel would have gone to such lengths to keep Greece in the EU and to keep Greece in the EU currency? What's in it for the EU and Germany, perhaps, to keep Greece in? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I think maybe um, for Greece to remain in the EU. Uh, for the for the uh, what we're going back to with the migrant situation, perhaps like having that other sort of external barrier to the EU where migrants could come in um, and stay over there. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Does that make sense? Yep, yep. Uh, having coordinated management of the migrant issue, and <clears throat> while you're offline, we we raise the possibility of um, whether Merkel and the EU. Uh, in a sanctum might have been concerned that if Greece had left the currency that others might have followed, that the currency would therefore be at risk. And perhaps the perhaps the most dangerous one would have been Italy, because Greece and Italy have some similarities, but the biggest difference is Italy is a much, much larger economy and country in terms of population. Um, okay. And in terms of what other spheres of influence or jurisdictions Greece could go to, um, that question was asked before. I can't remember whether it was Mark or Paul. Um, but there's no obvious other grouping for Greece to go to. Um, they're, they're very European. They're very distinctive. Um, and one of the things I want to emphasize a bit tomorrow in the lecture, because I, I, I felt um, some feedback on this. By the way, if you heard the recorded lecture last week, you can notice I said at the end um, that I did a focus group test with you guys um, about whether I was being too corny with the au revoir and the French. And, and um, I think it was Paul said he was a ham and he couldn't get enough of it, so I said au revoir. Um, I felt, felt at the end of the lectures last week after Geelong and Burwood that I'd, I'd left people feeling too pessimistic. So I've got a plan tomorrow to make people feel more optimistic about Southern Europe and Greece, which you'll see. Um, so I guess previewing that, um, uh, and one of, and some of that comes from the the achievements of Greek history. Let us not forget that the word democracy is a Greek word, meaning the people rule. Let us not forget that Greece invented democracy, and, and they actually believed in a form of direct and participatory democracy. Uh, ancient Greece was a, an incredibly important part of uh, the world's philosophical development, um, and perhaps. Some of that continues. One of the figures in the Switzia party who was finance minister, he has some Australian connections too, like many Greeks, um, is Yanis Varoufakis, who was Yanis, exclamation mark, Paul. Yes, a big figure. Uh, he was finance minister for Greece and he tried to negotiate the terms with Germany and he resigned when Switzia compromised on those, when he, when he couldn't achieve what he wanted to. But he seemed to become quite a a bit of a rock star on the international literary circuit. You know, he gets around to the writers' festivals, you know, leather jacket, pretty cool dude, writes lots of books, very popular in the, uh, you know, uh, uber cool left intelligentsia, um, but not having a great deal of policy influence. I'm a bit conflicted about what I think of him, to be honest. Um, uh, you like him, Paul? You a fan of his, or do you reckon he's a bit of a charlatan? No, I haven't. I haven't um, followed him a whole lot since the um, Greek debt crisis 
um, and he was, when he was finance minister with the Greeks. So I, I admired him for resigning when they um, when they caved. Um, yep. Of course, you know it, it, it's um, it's a it's it's questionable whether their um, their um, tactics were 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 um, achievable anyway. Really, I mean, you know, it's going up against the troika was a it was a pretty tough ask, and and um, the brinksmanship that they displayed with regards to um, Grexit and um, defaults, and you know, I just I just I think it was probably always going to end like that for the Greeks. Um, but it's um, you know I, I, I'm I'm a firm believer that the you know that um, you know the EU and the Greeks get something out of their 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 um, the Greek Greece being in the EU. You know they get development aid. Um, the the um, e, EU gets another European country in its in, in within the project, and um, and it, and it allows to some degree. Um, to to um, have a hand in you know to be able to sort of take the wheel of the crazy driver behind the wheel you know you can take the wheel occasionally and um, bring them back on on course um, but you know having destabilised countries uh, right on their borders is not is not what the EU want anyway I'm pretty sure. Interesting analogy. Uh, let let the crazy person drive the car for a while and then grab the handle and before it gets out of control. The danger is of course that. It'll be go completely off the rails and kill everyone in the meantime. Um, now, someone put their hand up there. I guess they identified that. But Mark, follow away. I was just thinking, like one of the, I guess related to like whether they should remain in the the euro currency. One of the things that the EU fiscal system doesn't kind of have a solution for is the cultural difference in the value of economics and being wealthy in the different countries. I suppose like it comes into that thing we were talking about with France, where is it? Is it Northern and it's, you know, all about make the economy work and make it as efficient as possible? Or is it more a Southern nation where it's a bit more chillaxed and they enjoy the guilty pleasures in life? I've, I've had multiple holidays in Greece, so I obviously don't you know, have to put up with maybe a underfunded healthcare system, for example, which may might come from their laxivity when it comes to fiscal responsibility. But when I am there, you know, they are enjoying the sun, they are enjoying the food, they are enjoying life, and perhaps they they just don't really care as much as Germany does about being this economic powerhouse and you know surpluses and all that stuff. You know, I'm pretty sure I'd have much greater chance of converting Greek people to modern monetary theory than I would Germans, for example, because they have that, yes, they have that instinctive difference in their culture. And I just don't know if a euro currency can ever find a way to, um, you know, solve that without having to constantly reimburse them. I'm not really sure how, what the long-term possibility of that. Good points, Mark. Thank you. Um, and yes, the, that philosophical history, and we talked about France being home to many of the great philosophers, but of course, Greece had Aristotle and Plato and um, uh, intellectual culture um, and an openness to broad ideas. Um, and perhaps they do think um, that, you know, life is not just about work. And, and you, you call them guilty pleasures. But it, I mean, are they... Do you feel guilty about having leisure? I, I do sometimes. I mean, I don't have 
I don't think I've had enough, enough leisure in my life. I'm starting to think I might have, should have some more soon. I've always felt a bit guilty um, when I do it. I think, oh, God, I should be working. Now, Paul has said something relevant to this, because fiscal responsibility and lifestyle aren't necessarily mutually exclusive values. No one is asking to throw away their cock. So, Paul, you do seem to think, though, that Greeks could run their finances a bit better. If I've heard you right tonight. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it, I, I certainly think that there's, there's uh, it can't, yeah, it's not a, it's not one side or the other. I think that <clears throat> the Greeks could be um, a bit more responsible with regards to um, their finances. I'm certainly not, I'm not espousing them adopting an, a, you know, a Pinochet style neoliberal agenda and, and you know, Moving back into right-wing dictatorship—that's that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that they could be a, 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 a little less profligate, where and the EU could also be a little more understanding with regard to um, historical um, consciousness. Yep. Very good. Okay. Um, in relation to the EU and outlying nations. Um, one of the interesting things in the last week I've noticed browsing through British press is that there's been another by-election in the northeast of England and Labor has lost one of those red wall seats in a by-election by another one, I should say, um, to the Tories. So this crisis for British Labor in its traditional heartland, the seat of Hartlepool, which it's held to 60 years or something, has just been lost in a by-election um, <clears throat> to the Conservative Party. So there's still something going on deep there um, in terms of the sense of alienation uh, parts of working-class England feel from mainstream politics um, and, and certainly the Labor Party. Um, and Greek politics is polarised. There's, there's the far-left groups and there's the far-right groups too, Golden Dawn. Um, uh, and, and harsh immigration policies being considered there. Um, I'm going to steer us in a slightly different direction in a moment, but um, yes, Keir Stammer, the leader of the British Labour Party that Paul is referring to there, um, some questions about if he's the right leader. Um, a lot of angst going and debate going on in British Labour. Um, uh, at the moment, but we're too. One of the things, I mean, although Boris Johnson has done some pretty stupid things with COVID. The vaccine, which is of course the Oxford vaccine, is a British invention, um, uh, is rolling out now and is seeming to have quite an effect in responding to the huge um, infection rates. Uh, even though you know, there's been high deaths and high infections there, um, that government has just won an election in northeast England. Strange for me. Okay, look, I might move us on then. Um, I want to get a sense which topics you three are doing now. I'm fairly sure, Paul, you're still doing Brexit. Is that correct? As your main assignment topic. Uh, yep. Uh, Kristen, do you know which topic you're doing it for your assignment too? Which um, you'll probably start to focus on more in a couple of weeks' time when the weekly assessments are over. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do the VET system in Germany and compare it to Australia's VET system. Very good. Now, is that at all relevant to your current work in the government? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it is in terms of the education portfolio, but I used to work in the higher education group in debt. So, um, yeah, I've got a little bit of background on it. So it'd be good to learn more. 
Yes, I believe there's a bit going on in that space, the Jenny Macklin Review, um, looking at vocational question. And, and the vexed question of, I mean, I remember when VCE was substituted for as one qualification to replace previous separate technical certificates and high school certificates. And then it was felt that went too far in standardising things. So VCAL, Victorian Certificate of Applied Learning came in and now VCAL is seen as being a stigmatised as a lower status option. They're trying to get this balance right. And, and in doing so, Germany is certainly a relevant country to look at, I think. So that should be a good topic for you. You won't have too much trouble getting 2,000 words on that, I think. Um, but let me know if there's any questions you have and similarly, Paul and Mark with your essays. Mark, your topic, uh, I can't remember if we've discussed that with you before or not. Do you know what you're going to write on for your main assignment? Yet? Um, I'm, I'm actually just looking at it for the first time since you mentioned it, so I've just gone in and had a look through. I'll, while we're discussing, I'll have a quick look through and I'll let you know before the end of the class. Okay, no problem. Um, all right, well, popular ones are usually include the uh, ethno-religious diversity, immigration one, um, but uh, Germany is a popular one. Um, Brexit probably will be this year, I think. Um, uh, after we do tomorrow's Greek lecture, um, and we will be leaving the South and we'll be uh, doing something different, which is going to Eastern Europe, which we've barely done, um, uh, looking at Ukraine and Russia. And that's a very different kettle of fish, so to speak, um, up there. Um, although there's, you know, when, it's another example of when you look within a nation state, you see a lot of tribes in Ukraine, for example, and power politics going on. But we haven't looked much at Russia and Putin, so that's an opportunity to do that, which we'll do next week. Um, and in the, in the final week, we'll wrap the threads together and see what lessons, if any, we can draw about um, what Europe might teach Australia or other parts of the world or what Europe can learn from other parts of the world. Um, so in terms of the Greece, Greece questions, um, Mark, you've, you've gone to Greece, Mark. Um, uh, you put your hand up, so say whatever you want to say, but also I'm interested in the fact you've gone there as a tourist, um, um, but you've done so from the comfort of you know, with an Australian passport and Australian Medicare card, perhaps private health insurance? No? Okay, so if you got stuck on a Greek island with a broken leg, you may not have had the best of care. Um, I'll just say, just before that, um, I, it didn't take me very long to decide which questions I was going to do. Um, I'm a massive policy wonk, um, yep. so my topic will either be Topic five about Nordic nations being, you know, social democratic inspiration, or topic eleven where you discuss two field policies in Australia where we could learn from Europe. As for me, I view Europe as the home and heart of social democratic thought. So I'm very passionate about that stuff. So it'll be a very easy ride for me. I feel. Um, in terms of going to Greece, yeah, I mean, you know, I was in my twenties, so it's a last thing on my mind was whether or not I'd get a broken leg. Yeah. Um, yeah, the part and probably the parts of Greece that have heavy tourism, probably the hospitals aren't as bad as in some of the more um, poorer areas of the country. So it probably wouldn't even have been that bad anyway, to be honest. But yeah, it's a very big factor to consider 
you know, um, when you, when I try to say, oh, they're just a bit more lax up there, you know, it's an important thing to remember that when you're on holiday, they're enjoying their leisure. The rest, I've I've seen the news reports, you know, from you know eight or ten years ago where there was people in misery all around who needed medical care and weren't getting it. So. Um, yeah, it's obviously a big thing to consider and in my view, um, my economic principles would have solved that better than what they ended up doing. Very confident there. Um, Mark, that's good stuff, but yeah, good on you for being a policy wonk um, and by all means pick policy units if that's what you want to do. And I encourage all three of you to consider doing an honours here in the politics and policy studies major. Um, and Ben, likewise, he's not here tonight because he's very engaged students. Uh, have either the other two, Kristen and Paul, have you ever been to Greece? No, Kristen, Paul? The closest I've been is Italy. <laughs> right here. Uh, uh, Paul's having internet trouble. Um, I'll t I mean, in terms of where you should get sick overseas, obviously American, like, I mean, you, you know, if you afford private health insurance, I have been to Greece, yes, Kristen. I've been, I went, I've got a lot of, a lot of Greek friends, my contemporaries, um, and I went, therefore I went to the island where one of their families comes from, which is a lesser known island, Zakynthos. I think it's in the Ionian Sea rather than the Aegean Sea. It's absolutely beautiful. I mean, talk about beautiful coloured waters and natural beauty. Amazing. Loved it. And I did like the ancient Hellenic remnants of ancient Greece too. It was pretty interesting, the museums and that sort of thing. Although the modern the modern city of Greece wasn't very well organized. There was garbage piling up everywhere, you know, sort of eating souvlakis at a cafe while you know things were spilling out of the garbage uh, next to us and so on. But yeah, it's colourful. Um don't get sick in America. If you can afford private health insurance, do get it. I mean when you're young you tend to think you don't need it. The only time I've been sick significantly overseas, I was fortunate enough to do it in Norway. Um which of course can't do enough for you. Um, I I was there on a research trip. It was my third trip to Nordic countries a few years ago, and um, I'd gone twice in winter because I thought I'm not going to be a tourist. I'm going to go there when it's cold. You know, not go there in the good times, but uh, easy times. And this time I thought, no, this time I'll go. It's not winter, you know. <laughs> I got through the winters, no problem. This time I go, and it's, it's not winter, but it's more like spring. And I got ill. And I didn't know what was wrong with me, but I was, I was traveling alone in a hotel room and I was like very ill. And, um, all right, Paul, we'll see you later because you have to go. Uh, um, I got very ill, no idea what was wrong with me. It was so ill that I had to crawl on the floor to the phone in my hotel room to ring reception and ask for an ambulance. And they, an ambulance came and took me and I turned and went to the hospital and, and emergency unit, they straight away, you know, assessed me. One of the things they did, I was there studying the politics of Norway from a social democratic perspective. I'm sure I didn't tell them that. And the male nurse said to me, yeah, they asked me what I did, and they, they, they thought I was some sort of scientist, you know, I'm sure I said nothing about the politics. And um, they had to, to diagnose, they had to test, they had to do what they call a lumbar injection in the spine to see if it was meningitis to test, which it wasn't. But in order to do that, they have to hold you, at least two or possibly three, they have to hold you very still. They did that, and then the male nurse said to me after that, you've been very compliant, and it's important to be compliant in a social democracy like Norway. And I looked at him, I thought, what the hell? I mean, you know, have you been spying on me or something? You know, it was really weird. It turned out I had pneumonia, double pneumonia. Um, 
um, and I was in hospital for a week and they got me better with antibiotics and so on. And I was able to resume my triple O most of Norwegian itinerary had to be uh, changed a bit, but it wasn't the end of the world. Um, so interesting experience. Um, and you've been to Italy, Chris, anywhere else in Europe? Yeah, I went to France a few days, Germany, um, mm -hmm. uh, Poland, that was fun. Uh, England, Ireland, Scotland, did the classic early 20s Euro trip. Right. And that's the one trip you've done so far? Uh, yeah, I've been to America um, as well, Japan. Yeah. Classic early mm -hmm. 20s trip. Oh, that's good you can get to do it in the early 20s. Yeah. Um, well, of course, we hope the borders will open up. Now, the budget is going to be tonight, of course. I saw in the previews of it that they're suggesting international Australia's international borders might not open up until 2022, but there will come a time when, when people can travel again to Europe, hopefully before you're all in your 30s, um, and, uh, and to other places. Um, any questions either of you want to ask me or comments? Um, but anything else, uh, Kristen, you weren't able to attend the last couple of weeks. If you want to ask anything about those topics, feel free to do so. Um, no, I think that's all good. I have something that's like not sort of related, but your book launch, has that already happened? All or right. Coming up? No, it hasn't happened yet. It's, it won't be, the Melbourne launch will be on the 6th of July. And I wasn't going to mention it partly because Mark has got to write his essay on, if, if he chooses the Nordic nations, you'll write it. You have to write it before my book's out. You can use my previous work if you want to. Um, so I, I, and I can't release it to you in advance, but I'll let you all know in one of the next two weeks. It, but I can tell you now the date of it is the 6th of July um, in Melbourne at 6pm at a place called Denmark House in Melbourne CBD. It's sort of an upstairs bar restaurant. And it is called Denmark House because there's been a Danish club associated with it for a very long time in, in Melbourne. Um, and Ked Carney will launch the book there, uh, former ACQ president, Federal Labor MP. There will be a Canberra event before that, but the book literally today, um, I know I've been, I mean, I, I've been talking about it and obsessing about it. Like last week, on the way back from Geelong, I read over the entire index and, and had checked it, you know, and found, you know, it took me probably eight hours to and from Geelong very good detailed index and found probably five errors, but you know, it was worth putting in the eight hours, you know, like pages were not quite right, the page numbers, or indexes are subjective, like it's professionally done, but you know, sometimes it can produce quirky outcomes, like the names Trump and Kamala Harris were in there, but Biden wasn't, and Biden is mentioned briefly in the text. It's partly because Biden, of course, only became president just as the book was almost finished, but I, I wanted to rectify a few things like that. Um, so the book literally is going to press tomorrow um, and being printed and bound. Um, we won't actually see it as a final copy for another 10 days or so. And it'll be kept under highly secure um, conditions until the Canberra launch. Um, but you're both invited. Paul will be invited. And uh, the Bird and the Longskins are invited to the launch. Free Carlsberg um, and some wines. Um, and uh, but you've got to buy the book on the way in if you want the free Carlsberg. No free writing, no, no you know, um, uh, if you want representation, you have to pay taxation. Okay, any other questions or comments? Um, I don't have a question. I just, I had no idea you were writing books. That's like super exciting. Um, I, I reckon I'd probably 90% chance 
to go to that because that sounds really interesting. Was that July 6th, did you say? July, uh, July 6th, yes. Tuesday, right. July 6th. I'll pop 6th, that yeah. in my calendar before I forget because I will forget if I don't. Yeah, that's super exciting. I'm well keen. <laughs> it is, yeah. Well, this is, you know, the more enjoyable part now to get to the end. And um, I mean, it's been an anxious time with things like indexes and typos, you know, trying to get them out because, you, you know, and, and many eyes see them, people make changes and errors get introduced and so on. And author doesn't have complete control over it. But yeah, um, it'll be it'll be fun. And that's one of the things we're supposed to do as academics, produce research as well as teach. And then I try and feed my research into my teaching. But I'm sure you both think it with your respective politics, as will Paul and many of the students. Um, you don't have to agree with everything, of course, but it might be stimulating. And frankly, we're handing over to younger people now because um, we're putting forward some ideas, but uh, uh, particularly with the climate um, policy, um, you're going to have to tear the house down and make sure that uh, we don't ruin the planet, I think. Great. Um, I have a good feeling that I will be ostracised from any political relevance due to my far left-wing views, but <laughs> I will try my best. That's okay. I mean, you won't be interrogated if you left-wing views there. Um, it'll be a fun evening. Okay, thanks both. Good luck with your work this week and um, we'll we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Mark. All right. All right. See ya.